Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Still a Nation Live. Big Tiz, one half of the team known as Big Tiz and Big O. I want to do a little history tonight before I introduce our next guest. Let's go back to the end of the 1991 Steelers season. The Steelers were 7-9, finishing last then in the Central Division. The Steelers had to implement a new head coach. You might know him by the name of Bill Cowher, taking over the reins from legendary head coach Chuck Noll. But the first order of business was to take care of the business in the 1992 NFL Draft. The Steelers have always found diamonds in the rough that were proven to be quality players, such as 1992 draftees Joel Steed, LeVon Kirkland, and Yancey Thigpen, and Darren Perry. But one of those diamonds chosen in the 1992 NFL Draft to protect the backside of the QB is here tonight on Steeler Nation Live. Coming out of the University of Miami in the 1992 NFL Draft, we welcome tackle Leon Searcy to the Steeler Nation Live studios tonight. Welcome, Leon. Appreciate y'all having me on. Hey, Leon, it's a pleasure of ours to have you on, brother. And, you know, the magnitude and in the time that you played with Steelers, the Steelers, it wasn't like a long surplus of time. But, you know what, brother, you committed. And once you're a Steeler, you're always a Steeler, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that, because when I left and played for Jacksonville and I came back, uh, the fans booed me to death. I'm, I'm still a little... Yeah, I'm still a little deaf in my left ear from that booing I got. <laughs> it's all good, though. It's all good. I, hey, listen, I had a great time when I played with the Steelers. I absolutely loved the organization. Uh, I loved uh, Coach Cowher and my teammates. Well, we did some amazing things when I was there. I mean, we played in two AFC championship games and actually played in one Super Bowl uh, where we lost to the Cowboys. But, uh, you know, my friendships with the guys that I, I played with Pittsburgh are, are long-lasting. I'm still good friends with those guys that like to keep up with them. So, uh, like you said, once is still always a stealer. Exactly. Well, Leon, let, let's, let's, let's almost bring it back to, to not too long ago. Let's go to high school. <laughs> let's bring okay. it back to – and one thing I love to talk about when reading up on you is that your parents were very educated people and not just educated. They wanted their children to be educated. Your mom was a school teacher, and it seemed like your dad, who worked at uh, Orlando International Airport, they not just wanted you to have a – successful athletic life they wanted you to have a successful academic life and it seemed like they put what a lot of parents should do is they put education in front of athletics and which kind of left you realistically to be honest with not too much time left in high school to get serious about football well you know I think my parents to this day for being strict on me you know you know putting a belt on my backside when I wasn't doing things I should have been doing I mean, they disciplined me. Yeah, they, they, you know, all the values and all the aspects of life that I cherish today, you know, like God, family, and faith. I mean, I owe it to my parents. And, um, you know, they was, I, I, I didn't play football until my senior year, my last year of high school, which right. because I didn't have the grades. It's just because my mom, you know, set the, the bar so high <laughs> when I was in high school. <laughs> And you can just imagine, you know, being one of the biggest kids in high school and not playing football. You you know, it absolutely <laughs> was frustrating for me as a kid not being. But, you know, I, I had to explain to, to to guys who asked me to play ball, you know, that my grade point average wasn't high enough. And, you know, my mom, 
you know, told me that I had to have a 3.0 before I played football. So, um, you know, it was it was ingrained to me very early to, to be very disciplined about my academics. And no matter how good I was athletically, they told me that I had to, you know, go to school, get an education so I could provide for my family. So uh, I cherished that moment that uh, they put those standards for me. It all worked out for me. I ended up graduating from high school with a 3.5. And, and when you play good football and you've got the grades, I mean, all the schools in the country come looking at you. So when I, it came down to recruiting, uh, I pretty much had uh, – the pick of the litter of the, the schools that I, I want I, I could go to, so I'm grateful for that. Now, a lot of you young guys out here who's listening to this broadcast, I want you to listen to exactly what Leon spoke about the parents and the parent factor. The parents are only there to help you, younger guys, and you guys got to realize that. And Leon took heed of that, and Leon grabbed onto that, and it worked well for him. But Leon, now now you're you're in school, 3.0 GPA average, and the fact is you have you have that one year of high school football left. And the fact is, it must have been one heck of a year for you to have these guys like the likes of Miami out there calling for you, brother. Well, you know what it was? Uh, you know, I came in the jamboree as a spring jamboree, and I was like fourth string. And by the time spring was over, I was starting. And I had two schools looking at me in particular, was with Thorne Pippen and FAMU. So, you know, to, to me, to my point, you know, I just wanted education. I wanted to be able to go to college and not have my parents have to. You know, they were hardworking people, and I, the last thing I wanted to do was for them to have to struggle to send me through school. So, I mean, football was a vehicle that I used to get a free education. So when I got those two offers uh, from family of Bethune Cookman, I, I could have easily chose one of those two schools. Right. But my high school coach, a guy named Bill Gurkey, told me uh, that he wanted me all summer. And he said he wanted me to go to summer school. And I had the grades, and I was like, why am I coming to summer school? He said, well, you know, I could see you. And then I could see you in July for training camp where he said, if you want to be great and you want the schools to look at you, I need you for these next two months. And for those two months, we just grind. I mean, we did everything, technique, fundamentals, ran stadiums, suicides, lift weight squad. So by the time I went to training camp, I was ready to go. And uh, I had an outstanding season, uh, senior season. Uh, high school, I was all county. I was running up all state. And I had all the schools uh, knocking at my door, uh, specifically in the state of Florida. I already knew I wasn't going to leave Florida. So I was gonna, it was going to boil down to Miami, Florida, state of uh, Florida. And I chose University of Miami. And to this day, I'm grateful that I made that decision. Wow, Leon. What, what was it like just that signing day, signing with the Hurricanes? I mean, this is a well-known school, Leon. I mean, and you're there sitting at the table and you're signing, brother. Well, you know, it's not it's not the, the media fanfare that they have now. You know, I didn't have about five or six hats in front of me, guys, switching the hats on and off and all that kind of stuff. Everybody right. telling me how great I was. I was basically in a room about the size of a closet, and I had my mom, my dad, and my sister there. And I had a recruiter, uh, a good friend of mine still to this day, a guy named Don Solis, and he's legendary with South Florida football. Uh, Don Solis had the letter of intent in front of me, he pushed it in front of me, handed me a pen. And one of the things that rang loudly, uh, he said before I signed my letter of intent, he grabbed the letter of intent away from me. And he said, uh, Leon, he said, before you sign that letter of intent, I just want to let you know something. He said, if you're not good, you won't play. And he said, if you're not great, he said, don't come. Wow. And I mean, that was, that was the emphasis at the University of Miami while I was there. I mean, if you weren't good, you weren't going to play. And if you weren't there to elevate the university or I mean, the university stand out somehow as one of the elite programs in the nation, then he didn't want you to come. And that's a lot of pressure from a guy who only played one year in high school football, but I wanted that. I wanted to know if I could go down and play at the University of Miami and be great. 
And uh, I, to this day, I'm thankful that I made that decision. Now, Leon, you while at Miami, now you became a part of something great, just like you just said. If you're going to come, you're going to come, and you're going to put it all on the line. And you were a part of something great. I mean, you had some great championship teams there, brother. And, I mean, how did it feel being a part of that, that hurricane program, especially before leaving there, pulling out three, three, count, three titles, Leon? Well, you can only you know, you, can, you appreciate it now when you're older. When I was young, we won so much. I mean, I played there five years, only lost four games, and lost, and won three national titles. And you know, when you're young, uh, you, you don't appreciate it as much because uh, winning down in Miami at that period of time was a mentality. We never thought about losing. I can't never, I can never say there was a game that we went into where we thought we were losing. We just thought that we were that much better than every team we played. Not because we were arrogant and egotistical, it was just the fact that we knew that nobody was going to outwork us from Sunday to Friday. And then when Saturday came, we just, it was a party. We just went out there and had fun and enjoyed just whooping people every every chance we got. <laughs> so I just enjoyed it. I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, because I was just watching, um, I was just watching uh, uh, some uh, old college football about two weeks ago. Right, you know, uh, and I, I saw during the fourth quarter, uh, I saw a bunch of uh, players throw the four fingers up. Now that the whole that whole four fingers originated from the University of Miami when I was there. You know, we threw the four fingers up because we knew that games were won and lost in the fourth quarter, and that's why we threw up the four uh-huh. fingers. So it was just it was just very, very revealing. Uh, it was very humbling to see those kids uh, appreciate you know what we had established when I was there. To see that kind of trickle down to the younger generation, they still do it to this day. Where you see, you know, college kids throw up the four fingers uh, at the end of the game, at the, you know, going into the fourth quarter. So, you know, we we definitely had a profound effect on college football. I think during my time at the University of Miami. You younger guys, you hear that when it, when they're talking about four quarters, I love it. You know that that means you're putting it on the line, and you're not just putting it in line for a half. You put it on the line for four quarters. Great, great ad there, Leon. I love that, but. While you were at Miami, you started every every game for your final three seasons. And then while you were at Miami, you earned first-team All-American honors from Football Writers Association of America and second-team honors from Football News and Associated Press. I mean, while you were there, you weren't just doing it. You were putting it out there, brother. Yeah, I mean, uh, but you had to understand the landscape of the University of Miami. I mean, it was entrenched us very early to never get comfortable with your position. And... Uh, uh, I think a lot of my hard work had to come from the fact that the guys that were behind me were probably just as good as I was. Um, I can remember a lot of times after practice where I would be dog-tired after a hot day at three hours of practice. You know, this was way before the NCAA implemented rules or how long guys could practice. I mean, we practiced three-hour practice, being conditioned. And I used to look outside and see younger guys who were in my same position, you know, out there running a little extra, doing a little extra. And I had to go out there because I couldn't let them out work me. Because I didn't feel comfortable with my position at Miami to my senior year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I told myself that once I get on the field, it will never take me off. But they always brought in more competition, more to make sure your game, you kept your game on par. Because, uh, you know, we had so much success there because no one felt comfortable. No one felt entitled. You know, we were all there, we were all there to, to, you know, to, to see the program elevate. And that's why we had so much success in all those years and so much dominance because, you know, if one guy went to slipping and felt comfortable and complacent about his position, there was a the next guy behind him that, that could take it easily. So 
Uh, I was very humbled about, you know, being all American and going into the NFL to be quite honest with you. I never really thought about the NFL until, you know, agents came around and started telling me how great I was, you were this or that or whatever, because my whole intention at Miami was just to be the best Miami hurricane I could possibly be. And then when I found out, you know, hey, you know, I could go off into the NFL and make some money, then, you know, that's just bonus. <laughs> oh, you got to love that, brother. And as you said, now, you, you had that great success in college. And like you said, here comes the possibility of the NFL and the agents and the suitors coming out there ready to use your talents and mm -hmm. skills in particular settings. But one in particular, which I read on that, I thought I laughed and it was so hilarious was the fact that the Cowboys then – Coach Jimmy Johnson, your former coach at the University of Miami, came a call and you know they were they were interested in you, you know Leon. And the fact is, they were interested, but so were the Steelers at that time. I mean, you got to fill us in on that. This, yeah, this I, I well, laugh yeah, well, yeah, well, this is a portion. I mean, I'm actually writing a book on my life and times, uh, you know, growing up in the NFL. Yeah. and you know, this is one of the components of my book. Uh, a lot of people, you know, don't get the opportunity, but during the during my draft. You know, my, my father and I, uh, we, were, we lived in Orlando. We woke up kind of early, about 6 o'clock that morning, and we took a little walk. We took about an hour walk, just talked about, walked and talked. And by the time we got back to the house, about an hour and a half later, you know, there was news reporters and people in our front yard, you know, trying to come in. And I didn't want anybody to come into my house until I got drafted. And I wanted, to, and I didn't go to New York. I got an invitation to go to New York for the draft, but I wanted to, you know, share that. I wanted to share that with my family. So... You know, about 9 o'clock, the draft came on at noon, you know, back in my day. Back right. in my day. I mean, it's not, the, it's not the prime time affair that it is now, but it came on at noon when I was in 1992. And I remember, you know, sitting in the house, a little nervous, a little anxious about, you know, where I was going to get drafted because everybody had me projected somewhere between 5 to 15 uh, in the first round. And so uh, by 9 o'clock that morning, I get this phone call, and I answer it, and uh, it's Jimmy Johnson. You know, Jimmy Johnson was my coach two years at the University of Miami. Calls me up and says, Leon, uh, how you doing? I said, I'm good, coach. So, you know, just anticipating. <laughs> he said, uh, well, we're thinking about taking you uh, the 14th pick in the draft with the Dallas Cowboys. I said, yeah. And typical Jimmy Johnson, he asked me, now, if we, if we, if we draft you, are you going to hold out? I was like, wait a minute, Coach, I haven't even got a contract yet. I don't know without a contract. Look, I said, well, we got a representative on the way. He's already landed in Orlando. He's on his way to the house. You know, we're going to negotiate. He asked me if my agent was there. My agent was there. So this big burly guy comes in. A guy stood about 6'6", six, six, had a cowboy hat on, cowboy boots, and had my jersey with my number on his shoulder. Wow. Comes in the house, introduces himself, grabs him a bud like he wanted a beer. <laughs> you know, at nine thirty in the morning, got him a beer, went downstairs, went in the back side of the room with my agent and negotiated my contract. So I'm thinking I'm good. I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna be a cowboy player with Jimmy Johnson going 14 picking the draft. So two hours later, you know, an hour before the draft, <clears throat> I get a call from the Steelers and it's Coach Coward. Coach Coward's talking to me, and he knows. I guess he knows. Uh, well, I actually tell him. I tell him that the Cowboys are here. This is kind of awkward because I'm talking to Coward. <laughs> And the Cowboys are here negotiating the contract. So I tell him the Cowboys are here. Okay, he calls me. He said, well, I'm going to call you back. So the draft comes on. You know, they go through the first, you know, five, six, seven, eight picks. Well, we get to, like, pick nine. And I think it's the Cleveland Browns. I get another call. Bill Cowell, Coach Cowell says, okay, Leon, we got the 11th pick in the draft. Uh, we're going to select the 11th pick in the draft. And he tells me that the Cowboys tried to move up to, you know, switch places with the Steelers. Because uh, they wanted to move up to 11 to draft me. 
and I guess the Steelers were asking for too much, and the Cowboys decided not to move on it, and now the Steelers are going to draft me. So I get drafted. I'm excited about it. I'm jumping up and down with my family. Now, the guy in the back, the Cowboy guy, the guy with the Cowboys, you know, he tears up the contract, shakes my agent's hand, walks out the door. I try to stop him to get the jersey. Say, hey, you know, can I keep the jersey without him? He turned around and a little punky swang and said, uh, no, you may not, sir. And he kept on walking. <laughs> I was I should have charged him for the beer that they had, but I said, no, nah, you go ahead on. So it was cool. It was all good. <laughs> hey, you got to love that. That is a great story. Hey, by the way, Leah, let, let everybody know. I, don't, I know you're probably not finished with the, you know, the book, but what's going to be the name of the book that's coming out? Well, the name of the book is uh, Diary of Athletes, Memoirs, and Notes. Uh, it's, it's just an assessment and storylines of me growing up, me in high school, me and my times at the University of Miami, my times in the NFL, my life after football. I've mean, got some amazing stories, just those kind of stories in the book, you know, stories on the field, off the field, stories in the locker room. Just, 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 um, you know, I was extremely blessed to, to meet so many wonderful and fantastic people. And then there's also stories about, you know, the the, the lures and, and the entrapments that come along with playing uh, professional sports. You know, the women, the financial advisors, the guy who get the guys who get your bad investments, the guys who try, you know, try to steal your money, take advantage of you, whatever. So it's an assessment of just all my life and times of playing football, playing sports, and uh, it's been a wild ride, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Now, Leon. It, it... Don't forget, before the end of the show, I, I really want you to uh, make sure you give out information on your book and possibly send me links out so I can get that on my site to make sure that others can um, get this book when it's out and, you know, purchase it. Because, like, this is a must-have, especially for your younger guys who's coming out who want to be, be Lyman and, and inspired to get into the NFL. This is a must and a must-have. Leon, I appreciate you for, for at least giving us info on that book. But No problem. Now, now Leon, you're a young Young guy just selected to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL draft. You held it. You held out for the first two weeks of training camp before then signing a pretty good deal. Four years at that time, four years, four point twelve million with a one and a half million dollar signing bonus. That's a lot of money for a young mm -hmm. kid. Not only were you the third highest paid player on the team at that point, how was that for you being a young kid like this? Well, it was difficult. I mean, you know, when you haven't, you know. I mean, that's the reason why there's a lot of rules not implemented with the NFL rookie scale because, you know, I mean, I had come in and, and got drafted uh, with the Steelers. And, um, also, you know, I'm the highest, like you said, I'm the third highest paid guy on the team. I mean, we're talking about guys who are legends there. I mean, we're talking about the Woodsons, the Cornell Lakes, the Damani Dawsons. You know, we're talking about we're talking about Hall of Fame guys. And right. I walk in there and haven't even played the down, and I'm making more money than all of them. I mean, it was you know, it was, it was it was it was difficult from the beginning because I had held out for so long. But you know, uh, I mean, I just worked hard. I mean, I knew the only way I was going to gain respect from the guys on the team was just to work. I mean, I just came to work every day. I mean, I competed. Uh, I spent my whole rookie year, you know, not even playing, and most of the times, uh, well, not most of the time, but just one particular time, you know, I didn't even dress. So uh, I just learned. I, I I I just told myself this: Look, you're going to either get better or get the worst in this situation. I decided to get better. I just I was just a sponge. I mean, we had some veteran guys there that I just uh, just learned from. I mean, we had Tunch Ilkin that was there, John Jackson. You know, we had Duval Love. We had Damani Dawson. I mean, these guys had somewhere between five to 
10 years underneath that belt. And I just learned from it. I learned how to study. I know how to train. I know how to work. I learned how to be a professional on the field as well as off the field. I learned how to just be a stealer. Uh, and that, that was, that, 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 uh, paid dividends for me, you know, in the long run because I, I understood how to be a professional athlete and I became a student of the game. Now, now, Leon, like you said earlier about the fact of, you know, income, the lures of the NFL. Now, you were a young, flashy guy, huge contract. And I might mm-hmm. add, you, you also had a flair for, you know, also kind of like spending some big bucks there, Leon. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I did. I, I, I can, I can, this is another story that's in particular, that's in my book. You know, I had just moved. I just moved into this uh, condo in Allegheny. And uh, I didn't have a car yet. But I had cash, but I have a car. So everywhere I went, I, you know, I either took a cab or took a, you know, town car to get me somewhere. So this one particular time, my girlfriend had come in town with me, and I needed some furniture. So I went. We went all the way to Monroeville. We took a little town car to Monroeville to try to pick out some furniture. But on our on our way to Monroeville, there was this car dealership on the right hand side of me. I never forget to. And it was this Jaguar, the little Jaguar in a in a showroom. Oh yeah. Before. And, and it was like circle. It was like going around in a circle. It was almost hypnotizing <laughs> because I saw it from my my town car. And I told the guy to pull in there. I pulled in there, and uh, the guys recognized who I was right off the bat and gave me a good, sweet little deal, whatever. So I thought I was going to walk out there without the car, but I ended up walking out of there and getting the Jaguar. So I got me a brand-new convertible Jaguar in Pittsburgh, uh, and I remember driving it to work. And I never forget this. It was my, it was a drive to work because we had to work out. And some guys came early in the morning to work out, so I came like in the middle of the afternoon. So I'm driving up this my convertible Jaguar, and it's John Jackson, Carnell Lake, and Rob Wilson. And I drive <laughs> right alongside them, and they started laughing. And Rob Wilson said, "What the hell are you doing with that convertible Jaguar?" I said, "He said you ain't in Miami no more. Did you realize where you are? You're the Pittsburgh." <laughs> I said, he said, that's going to be, he said, he told me, he said, Leon, he said, that's going to be in the garage in about uh, two months. You ain't going to be able to drive it. I said, whatever. I'm from Miami. I'm going to drive this. I'm going to drive this. Just a month later, man, the snow hit, and then I lowered and immersed. I couldn't drive nowhere in that car. And I remember Rob Wilson laughing at me, saying, I told you. I ended up having to get a truck, essentially. I did a little truck there to get a truck, but that was. That was that was just you know when you got money and you're young you make a lot of stupid decisions with your money you know you you don't I try to tell a lot of these kids you you don't anything that depreciates the value do not spend a lot of money on it because as soon as you drive it off the lot it's already you already lost ten grand on it you drive it for a year you're gonna lose about another twenty thirty grand on it so don't buy cars and clothes and jewelry things that depreciate the value you want to buy things that, that hold steady in value you know get some. Get some gold food and silver and coins in your portfolio. Get some property. Get some stuff that's going to have some mainstay that you can pass on down to your family generation after generation. I mean, we too often, a lot of these guys that make a lot of money, they go off and buy a whole bunch of clothes and jewelry and cars to impress and look good and nice or whatever, but those things you lose the money. You know, you want to you buy commodities, things that are going to hold and appreciate and value. I, and I try to tell them they don't. They don't listen, and they still go out there and do what they want to do. But, <laughs> well, you know they'll what? Learn one day. That's the growing lessons, like you said. Everybody goes to that. Yeah, growing that's the grown lesson, folks' you know? lesson. Yeah, exactly. I wish a forty-five Leon, forty-five-year-old Leon could talk to twenty-five-year-old Leon <laughs> right now. <laughs> we all do, brother. 
Hey, but while, in that time, now while you were at Pittsburgh, you actually had some good years with the Steelers. Even while during this duration, at one point, the Steelers were still mulling over who would be the starter, Bubby Bristol or Neil O'Donnell. With Neil O'Donnell eventually becoming the starter, the Steelers began to put together pieces to make a title run, culminating in the Steelers reaching Super Bowl 30, you know, versus your draft day nemesis, the Dallas Cowboys. How was that whole experience for you? Oh, you know, I, you know, losing, uh, I mean, the whole experience, the whole Super Bowl is, is awesome. I mean, you know, you go from a kid growing up watching the Super Bowl, hoping and praying one day you get an opportunity to actually play in the Super Bowl. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, the week that while we was there, you know, we met up a lot of celebrities, went to a lot of parties, enjoyed ourselves. But, I mean, the task at hand was to ultimately win the game. And although the experience was gratifying getting there, you know, ultimately losing the Super Bowl is probably one of my worst defeats, one of my worst losses of all time. I mean, I'm, you know, to this day, you know, we was uh, losing that game, having every opportunity to win that game and not win it and losing it is uh, very frustrating because um, I, I tell, uh, you know, I tell uh, the guys that play defense for us, it was a Lamar Kirkland, it was a Ray C, it was a Brentson Buckner's, um, that they played enough, they played well enough to win. Right. Um, you know, we, we our offense put the defense in a compromising position. You know, anytime you get the Cowboys with all those weapons of short field, um, you know, they're going to win the game. And then when you have two turnovers that lead to 14 points, that's the game right there. I mean, statistically, I mean, we dominated every aspect of the game. I mean, we had more yardage, more time of possession, more rushing yards, more passing yards. Um, our defense put a, you know, they stifled the, the, the vaunted uh, Emmitt Smith rushing offense and Troy Aikman and all, all the, you know, all the little toys that he had. Our defense did a hell of a job against that team. Right. I mean, if we had done our part offensively, not turn the ball over, um, there's no way we shouldn't have a, a Super Bowl ring on our fingers right now to this day. Oh, and I would have loved it, especially against the Cowboys. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Leon, not only the fact that you had to deal with the loss of, the, of that Super Bowl, but your contract was actually um, nearing its end with the Steelers as well. Mm-hmm. And during that duration, I mean, you, you had an inkling that the Steelers were not looking at you as to be their main man at tackle, and which eventually ended up you possibly trying to look elsewhere to, you know, give your wares. You know what I mean, Leon? Yeah, this is another component that <laughs> in my book. Uh, you know, uh, you know, after the Super Bowl, uh, <clears throat> uh, my wife at the time and I went on vacation for about a week, and then we went to visit some family in Georgia. And I, I remember getting a phone call from Coach Cowher. Coach Cowher, you know, I believe at that particular time he was going on vacation to Virginia with his family. He gave me a call and told me, you know, essentially, you know, whatever – management in the same, uh, ignore it. He said, because I want you to be a stiller. Uh, I picked you. You're my first pick ever. And we're going to make every, we're going to make every, we're going to make every uh, possible move necessary to make sure you remain a stiller. So I told my agent that. My agent at the time was um, uh, Drew Rosenhaus. Right. And um, so I'm in, I'm in Georgia. Um, having a good time with my family, you know, and uh, I get a phone call from Drew, and I, I asked, asked Drew what was going on. He said, William, uh, the, the Steelers deal is not going to work. The 
it's not going to happen. I, I told them specifically that the Steelers had first dibs. Before any team, it, uh, before I make any moves to go anywhere, the Steelers had the Steelers make it happen. So he was frustrated by that there was no movement being made or whatever. So um, uh, he told me that he doesn't think that deal with the Steelers is going to be able to be made. And I said, well, I don't, I don't believe that. So I, I just thought he was just lying out of his teeth or whatever. So he, he called me. And he put me on the three-way. Now, he called the Steelers, and I was on the three-way, and the Steelers had no idea I was on the other side of the phone. Now, me being young and now understanding the art of negotiation where we are high, they are low, and we meet somewhere in between, you know, I don't know who the the particular negotiator was at that particular time, but and I couldn't tell you who the voice was, but, uh, I mean, they were killing me. They were telling me that uh, I was a, you know, system player, I wasn't even the best offensive lineman on the line. There's no way they could out, over, outpay me more than Damani. All this stuff was true. I mean, I don't know about me being a system player, but I wasn't the best player on the line. Damani Dawson was a different player. But I was. I wanted to be paid like that. Right. So they're saying all these things about me, all these negative things about me. So that me not understanding, like I said, negotiating, and being 24 years old and egotistical and arrogant about myself and full of myself. I heard all this stuff. So when I got off the phone with Drew, and uh, you say, I told you. I told you that this was never going to happen. I got upset. I got upset. I wanted to prove to myself and the Steelers that I could go to another team and have just as much success as I had in Pittsburgh with another team. So that ultimately waived my decision um, to go sign somewhere. And then Jacksonville just happened to be waiting, you know. Uh, they just happened to be waiting in the cup for me. And uh, I went and signed a deal with Jacksonville. And uh, – I still regret to this day not calling Bill Cowell because he gave me a personal call and told me to call him before I made any decision. And uh, I, I didn't call him because I was I was fueled with with anger. Uh, some of the things that I heard about me and said about me over the, over the telephone. So I, I was proving to myself and a little bit to the Steelers that I could go somewhere else and have just as much success at another team that I did have with the Steelers. So that was my free agency. That was that was a deal with my free agency. Right. Well, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty mm-hmm. decent deal you had there. It was a five-year deal with the Jaguars for $17.5 million. I mean, yeah, that's a, a great deal. Right. That's a lot of money at that time for, like you said, a young, talented tackle coming in. And, and you you know, it's hard when you, you got a lot. Like you said, you have a lot of forces pulling at you. And one of the main things, when a young person sees dollars, they go for it. Now, now well, that, but oh, that particular time, it was the highest. It was the highest pay. I was the highest pay offensive lineman in the NFL when that contract first hit. So I was the highest pay offensive lineman in the NFL when that contract first hit. Oh, you can't beat that. But Leon, you nah, played. You, can't. you played three solid years before entering your fourth with the Jaguars. But you know, because of injuries, did you start to see any kind of diminishment in your play during that duration? No, no, no. I didn't see the. You know, I had a good run. Um, you know, before I got injured in Jacksonville, I mean, I had like I had, I had an eight-year run. You know, where I didn't miss a game. Right. You know, and that's rare for any offensive lineman. So it was a blessing to play all those games and never miss and never get injured. So I just thought when I did get eventually, when I eventually did get hurt, when I when I tore my quadriceps tendon in 2000, I just figured it was just due. I mean, I had a lot of wear and tear on my body, a lot of stuff that I. You know, a lot of injuries that I just sustained. I mean, I was always told there's a difference between being injured and being hurt. And it was a lot of times I went on that field that I knew I was hurt, but I just went out there and played. And then, 
just a grueling 16-game season, the playoffs, you know, it'll take a toll on anybody's body. I mean, I played 11 years in the NFL, and I never missed the playoffs. You know, always always made the playoffs, was always in the postseason. So, I mean, that's the difference when I was wearing tear on your body, your ligaments, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So I was left to play as long as I played without the injuries. But uh, when I started getting injured, it was just my body telling me something, just telling me that, hey, you know, You've had a good run, and now you've got to deal with this. Yeah, but Leon, at, at the same time, though, you were actually, you were also actually going through some own, your own personal dramas in life as well, with you know a divorce and still, you you know you still had a huge spending habit there, and you know and, and you're because you're still mainly a young guy, you know what I mean, Leon? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, um, you know, I'm 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 taking care of a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of. Um, I mentioned to a lot of young athletes that are college and professional. Um, you know, you've, you've got to make a decision um, or, or who you want to take care of, how much you're going to spend, and then that's going to be it. Um, you know, uh, you know. sometimes family members can, can come at you and, and make you feel uh, guilty about your success. And I tell guys, don't be ashamed of your success. I mean, uh, you want to help those who need help, and then you just you just got you got to set the mark of who you want to take care of, how far, and then learn how to say no. I mean, a lot of guys have just got to learn how to say no to family, friends, investment, people that want to spend your money, people that want to invest your money. I mean, you you got to be your own CEO. You got to make the decisions that are going to be long lasting for you and your family in the future. And uh, too often, guys like myself at that particular time want to sustain a certain lifestyle. I mean, just because you're making two or three million dollars a year doesn't mean you have to spend it. Right. Uh, you you got you got to put money away. You got you got to learn to be on a salary, put yourself on an allowance. You know, get all the foolishness out out the way when you're young. Get the cars, get all that stuff out the way when you're young. You know, as your career, as you get to a certain age, or you get to like your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth year. You know, now you got to start thinking about your family and their future, start putting stuff away. And a lot of people that you dealt with at home with, partying with, club with, and all that kind of stuff, you got to put those things aside. And, you know, you got to be about your family and your kids and their future. And uh, I just try to tell guys, you know, have fun while you're, while you're playing. It's a blessing to play in the NFL and have the opportunity to be able to take care of your family. But don't ever be ashamed of your success because there's a lot of people that want to make you feel bad about how much money you're making. But... A blessing ain't for everybody. You know, do for those that you want to do for and those that uh, you've done for and don't want to do for anymore, tell them no. And stand by it. And don't let them make you feel guilty about it. Now, you were eventually released by the Jaguars. And that had to be a rough situation for you. But you were actually weren't even out that long because you began, you got a nice contract with the um, the Ravens, those Dirty Birds. But <laughs> what about that <laughs> Oh uh, well, you know it was uh, it was it was a bit different, um, you know, going to Baltimore, you know, being that uh, you know I was rivals with them when I was in uh, Jacksonville, uh, you know they had just come off a Super Bowl, and um, you know that was just an odd situation. It was just um, I I don't know. I just never. They had some great guys there, guys that I knew. Woodson was there, Shannon Sharp, Ray Lewis. I was a lot of great guys there, but you know me, me getting injured early, uh, never getting the opportunity to to build a bond and a relationship with those guys on the team because I got I got hurt so early. Um, 
but uh, uh, amazing team. Uh, I mean, I mean Ray Lewis to the ran for mayor back then and won. I mean, as much as they love him in Baltimore, and um, you know that that Baltimore year was the Baltimore year was just I don't know it was just different. I, I, I got hurt twice, never hit the field. They gave me a huge contract. I never really panned out, and uh, I just knew that uh, it was just time for me to leave Baltimore. So I'm not even sure if I'm welcome in the state of Maryland for how much money I took from Baltimore when I was there. <laughs> I'm not even sure. (laughs) Well, the fact is, it it was a good contract. It was six years, thirty-one and a half million dollars. But the fact is, injuries kept you off the field, and yeah, it did. And injuries was you know a big part of the downfall of that situation. And and you were ultimately released in uh, two thousand, I believe it was two thousand two. And then Mm -hmm. you went on, and you still had a little little fuel left in the tank, so you tried to get on with the Dolphins. Tell us about that experience. Um, well, I, you know, I, you know, going to, you know, going to school at University of Miami, you know, anybody wants to come back to Miami, you know, so, uh, I had an opportunity to come back. I was Dave Wong, I stayed with the head coach at the time, and, uh, I knew Dave from my years at University of Miami. He was, uh, you know, he was a defensive coordinator at Miami when I was there, so we had a, you know, we had a pretty good relationship, you know, uh, with each other, hey, although we hadn't seen each other as, uh, maybe over 10 years, and then the offensive line coach there, uh, Tony Wise, who's an offensive line coach at Miami when I was there. So uh, I thought that was going to be a nice fit. It gave me an opportunity to get back, you know, in the South Florida. You know, I had a, you know, I uh, had a renowned respect uh, as a player. I worked from my life, you know, my times at the University of Miami. And um, they were trying to build something there with the Dolphins. You know, they had just signed Ricky Williams um, there. Uh, so uh, I was excited. I was excited being back in Miami. I, I thought it was going to be a new start for me. Uh, I trained like I never trained before. I, I remember coming into the camp, and I was heavy. Man, I was like about 370 at the time. By by time camp, but by time camp got there, got to camp, I was 302. Wow! And I won. I, I won the. Uh, I was the outstanding off-season player of the year. I mean, because my bench, my squat, my cleans, everything that had to do with, uh, with lifting weights was up. My squat was up. My bench was up. My, you know, my power cleans and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it had a lot to do with it. Also, again, uh, the strength and conditioning coach there at the, at the Dolphins was my strength and conditioning coach at the University of Miami, a guy named Brad Rose. So, I mean, me and him trained uh, three hours, six hours a day. I came in on the weekends, on Sundays, at the church. Yeah take off my church shoes, put on my clothes, and I'm in there training. I'm in there lifting, squatting, and all that. So I was definitely uh, on the verge of making a comeback, and uh, I was I was competing uh, at right guard. Um, guard, which I never, I never played guard, but I still was competing for uh, playing right guard. And ultimately, the last preseason game of the year, I was, I was going to make the team easily, but uh, I blew out my tricep, uh, my, my right tricep tendon. So I was going to be out for the year, and uh, I mean, this was three years in a row. So I figured right. to myself, it's my body telling me, look, it's time to why, it's time to, you know, call it quits. So, you know, unceremoniously, I just retired. You know, no fanfare, no sit down press conference. It was just, it was just my time to let it go. And I had got, I got some offers, um, 
to come back. I had gotten an offer to come back to Pittsburgh and to Jacksonville. Uh, but uh, you know, there, there was to my understanding that, um, you know, I was going to be a backup. Uh, I was going to be, I wasn't going to be competing for a job and that I was going to be a backup. Now, if I knew what I know now, I mean, I could have used that opportunity and probably got me another two or three years in and probably could have mentored some younger players right. who were in front of me. But, you know, I wasn't thinking like that. You know, I was like, I had started my whole career and I just couldn't fathom me being on a bench and a backup. But, um, you know, Father Time is undefeated. <laughs> he uh, sure is. He's undefeated. He's, a, he's a hundred thousand and zero. He's never, <laughs> he's never lost. So uh, he worked my ass, and I took it like a man. And I retired. Hey, but Leon, now, now you're in retirement. You're a young guy, but in retirement, many others watched your spending, but you still had that bug that was kind of hitting you where you still had, you know, that spending habit, and that led to some financial problems there. And it's a, it's a tough road to travel when that happens. Yeah, it is. It is because, uh, you know, you don't know any better. Uh, you think you do. Um, and you, and you think you have, um, <clears throat> you know, you think, you think, you think you can control, uh, you think that you can uh, do what you did when you played football, you know, your spending habits, you know, nice things, you still want nice things, you still want to impress, you still want to look good, drive good, do, you know, so, you know, there, um, there's no rehab center for guys once they finish playing football, there's no, no place you can go and, and kind of uh, detox you from some of the stuff that you did while you were playing. Right. And uh, unfortunately for me, during that time, you know, there was a lot going on with, uh, you know, going through a divorce and financial issues and matters and the agent, the agent turns his back on you, doesn't want you to call and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't want to give you too much now. People ain't going to read the book, but... Uh, <laughs> Hey, but you know what? Like, yeah, uh, you know, and I warned, I warned a lot of guys. I mean, I was just talking to a guy maybe about a month ago in a restaurant. And this guy, he played outside linebacker with the Dolphins, and uh, he was going to be signing with San Francisco 49ers. And he was talking about his houses. He had three different houses, and, this, and I was just telling the them, I was just trying to, uh, just trying to warn them. Hey, look, um, you're in your ninth year. I mean, God willing, you maybe got about another three or four years left. You know. You need to start downsizing. You need to start a lot of the stuff you're spending. You need to start putting away and for retirement and for your future and all that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, now the road that I traveled, I know that only through God's grace I was able to sustain and make it through all those trying times. And, um, you know, but I'm a much better man today for all that stuff that I went through. And what I try to do now is I try to. Uh, adhere a lot of these young athletes about some of the stuff that they may have to go through while they're playing and to make sure they're prepared for retirement because while you're playing, you know, you, there's a sense of invincibility when you walk on that field Sunday and you carry it off the field. And then when your career is over and the people stop cheering, you know, you still have that urge to be recognized and noticed. And a lot of the guys spending habits and going out and doing the things they want to do has a lot to do with the fact that uh, they don't want it to be over. But, it, every, you know, it doesn't have to be over. I tell guys that they've got to create, um, you know, redefine themselves once the career is over. You know, get into business. You know, start your own business. You get into broadcasting. Get into radio. Get into coaching. Get into mentoring. All that kind of stuff. Give back. 
I mean, because uh, you didn't get to where you are on your own. You know, you had to have some people that motivated you, and you just got to, you know, pass it forward, you know, pass that kind of information forward to the younger generation so they're more prepared for when they go uh, to that next level. So when they retire, you know, they don't have to go through some of the stuff that you went through as a retiree. Exactly, Leon. And, and that's why this book, what you have, is so important. And I want you guys listening to the broadcast to make sure once we get the info from Leon about the book and possibly, Leon, if, if you can, you know, I'll, I'll text you my information or whatever you need. And so that way I can help push that book as well. I love it. It's, it sounds like a phenomenal book, especially for up and coming young guys to see not just the behind the scenes of the NFL, but the, the rigors outside of the NFL, you know, personal family Absolutely. life and everything. And that's that's great and outstanding. And and as I was saying, Leon, about the resiliency, you know, it takes a resilient person to bounce back from different things in life. And it's it's just it's how we bounce back. And you bounce back by actually accepting a job at the at Florida International University as an office of line head coach. Well, office of line coach, excuse me. Yeah. Um well um I always loved I mean, even when I was playing, I always shared uh you know, I always shared advice with younger players about, you know, how to be a professional. I mean, I learned it, you know, because my rookie year, you know, I had guys like Damani and Tunch Ilkin and John Jackson, you know, those guys were older than me. They taught me how to be a professional. So when I, you know, so when I got older, you know, I always talked to the, the rookies, the first year guys about being a professional and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to carry that over into college, college coaching. And I, I absolutely loved it. I loved coaching. I loved, you know, putting the game plan together and um, seeing the guys go out there and executing and come away with a win. Um, we didn't have much success at uh, FIU because it was a pretty much an upstart program. When I got there, they had only had football for one year. Wow. And they were Division two. So by the time I got there, you know, we had just gotten into Division one football. And, um, you know, I had fun. I had fun. I was there. Now, recruiting is a grind. I'm not lying. It was a grind. <laughs> and it was hard. You know, it was hard to the, to recruit guys to come to FIU because, for the most part, we didn't have. Nah, we didn't. You know, our facilities were in shambles. Uh, right. And you don't have that history. I mean, as well. well, if you go there now, I mean, it's like the Taj Mahal there now. But when I was there, I mean, our office was on cinder blocks. We was in, we was in a we was on a, a double wide on cinder blocks. Uh, our, our meeting room was all bunched together. Our weight room was in shambles. Our, our locker rooms weren't all that good. I feel so. I mean, it was hard to bring kids in there and sell and pitch to come into FIU. I mean, the vast majority of the time, we took the kids on South Beach to let them know, you know, <laughs> because we we couldn't do much stuff on campus. So we took a lot of kids, you know, showed them the Palm Beach and the sand, the Miami, and all that kind of stuff. So that was our sale, but. Our facility was so horrible. So, I mean, the three, the four years I was there, I mean, we had a hard time just bringing in talent. So that's the reason why we had, a, you know, um, we didn't have that much success because, I mean, I don't care how much experience you have as a coach. I mean, if you don't bring in talented players into your program, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, because, um, I mean, I was a coach there. Um, Don Strock was our head coach. Tony Nathan was our running backs coach. Yeah. I mean, we had a whole NFL experience, you know, up in there. Uh, Bernard Clark that played with me at University of Miami was our linebackers coach. I mean, we, we had vast experience guys who played at the top-notch level, but you know, it was hard to recruit because 
first of all, we was in the, we was in the heart and soul of University of Miami territory. I mean, we were 15 minutes away from UM. He had to compete with UM, University of South Florida, University of Florida, Florida State, UCF. I mean, when you go up star program, it's hard to get talent uh, to a program like that. Um, if, if you don't have the facilities, then you can't entice players to come down there. So, But I had a great time while I was there. I absolutely love coaching. Now, now, Leon, since your playing days, you've been actually keeping busy doing other things as well. I mean, you did some local radio and TV spots around Miami, and you actually started up, got into some other business ventures as well. Well, yeah, I have some other endeavors that I'm working on. Besides working on my book, uh, yes, like you say, I do a lot of radio, I do a lot of TV, I do a lot of spot radio uh, here and there, but I've got a business that I've started. It's called Real Man Block. Uh, it's, it's, it's a t-shirt apparel and equipment catered to offensive linemen. I've got... Uh, I've got pin padding, pinting, pinting padding equipment uh, the offensive linemen can use as individuals or with uh, another lineman that can help with their foot speed, hand speed, help with their timing, help them get out, get out of their stands, get upright, work on their punch and all that kind of stuff. And then I've got uh, I've got um, a line of gloves and cleats and helmets and all kind of gear that just that's geared and catered to offensive linemen. I figured that um, at, at one particular time. Uh, I was an expert or at the top of my game, so I know what offensive linemen need and all that when it comes to apparel and equipment and gloves and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's called Real Men Block. Uh, I launched it Super Bowl Sunday uh, this this past year, and it's doing well. I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, another thing. Another component of my website is that um, you know up and coming athletes, uh, offensive linemen can come on my website and they can interact with guys who've already played the game. You know, they can mentor to guys about how to train, how to eat right, you know, what specific stuff that they need to work on as far as drills and skills and, you know, what they need to do to block this certain opponent. So I watch a lot of film on tape on guys, and I give them an honest assessment on some of the stuff that I've seen on film that they need to work on. Um, so I, I, I talk to them everything about their, their, their coming off the ball, you know, playing low, using their hands, uh, proper angles, proper sets, footwork, hand speed, all that stuff. So I, I've been doing that. At, um, I mean, I have Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you know, I get tens of offensive linemen always hitting me up, telling me to watch their film because they want to get better. And I want to see them get better. That's what my company is about. It's about seeing up-and-coming offensive linemen get better and live out their dreams of playing at the next level. So I'm excited about it. Uh, that's my passion. Uh, being an offensive lineman, I absolutely love everything about the position. So um, uh, I want to do as much as I can to cater to these young guys coming up. And any way I can help them um, become a better offensive lineman, and that's what I'm all about. Leon, I love this interview. This interview is phenomenal. It, it makes you think, and it's got a lot of things to offer. Leon, we are almost to the end of this interview, but one thing I want to, before we go out, I want to hit you what we call the blitz round. In the blitz round, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions and just answer them whatever comes to your head quickly, and we'll go from there. And one of the things I wanted to All ask right. you was the fact of what was the best advice that was ever given to Leon? The best advice that was ever given to Leon? Uh, when I was hanging out too late at night, and uh, Gray Lord told me to take my ass home. <laughs> I got to love it. <laughs> Number two. If you had a chance to go back and change one thing in your life, what would it be? Um, probably would have never left Pittsburgh. And I know the Jaguar fans are going to eat me up with this, but I probably would <laughs> if I had stayed in Pittsburgh, 
I mean, uh, and, you know, if I say that, you know, they had signed Jerome Bettis when I left, so I would have loved to block for the bus. Now, I flocked with some amazing guys in Jacksonville, Fred Taylor and James Stewart and Nick Fahmeens, but uh, I probably would have stayed in Pittsburgh. If I, had, if I could go back, I probably would have stayed in Pittsburgh. Number three, Hollywood's in town. They 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 want to promote your book, and they got a movie planned out and everything. Who will play Leon Searcy in this book? Who will play me? Oh man! Well, he got he's got to be big and sexy for one. <laughs> uh, gotta love it. But I don't I don't know who can play me in in, in my movie. I, uh, I I don't know. That's a that's a good question. That's a good question because uh, I'm hoping this book has star potential and it, it could be it could be a movie one day. So um, I gotta predict somebody. Uh, I don't know. Rick Ross. Rick Ross will play me. Yeah, <laughs> Rick that's Ross. Yeah, yeah Rick that's Ross big sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, this guy shaved the beard, though. <laughs> and the last question I wanted to ask you was the fact that if, you know, if you're in the trenches, bullets flying overhead, bombs going off, different things like that, who would you want in that trench to fight with, fight alongside Leon? Who would I want in the trenches to fight with me? Oh, man, somebody that's been my dog to the very end. Oh man, huh? My boy, my boy Ray Seals. He been my boy to. He been my boy to. <laughs> my man, hundred grand and all. My boy Ray Seals. Yeah, yeah, I, I can, I can, I can go. I can go in the trenches with Ray. He, he got my back. He's always had my back. I love it. I love it, Leon. That was the blitz round. And you know what? One thing again, Leon. I want you to give everybody more information on that book before we get off the air. Because uh, this is a book I think is going to be at great heights. It's got to be pushed, especially for young guys coming out, young linemen. This is this is a lot of notoriety for you, brother, and you deserve it. So uh, give us a little bit more information on the book and, and about your camp and everything else, Leon. Okay. Well, the name of the book is A Diary of a uh, Diary of an Athlete's Memoirs and Notes. I mean, if you if you put it, it's a D-A-M-N, that spells damn. I didn't mean it that way, but that's how the book comes out. <laughs> Um, I'm working on Ghostwriter right now. I hope to have the book finished by the end of this year. I hope to have it published sometime early next year. I hope to be going on book tours, uh, Stellar Nation tours, sign the books, autograph sessions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's called Diary of Athletes, Memoirs and Notes. Um, I'm also working on um, um, Real Men Block. Uh, you can go to realmenblock.biz. It's under the construction right now, but uh, it's custom apparel, uh, T-shirts, and equipment for offensive linemen. Um, I've got uh, competition camps coming up. I work for, uh, I'm, uh, I'm the uh, combine coordinator for the state of Florida for the International Bowl Series. Wow. Uh, where we, yeah, International Bowl Series. Uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the recruit, I'm the, I'm the combine coordinator for the state of Florida for the International Bowl Series. You guys can go on my Facebook page. It's got posts there and everything. Uh, um, it's a league where uh, we play teams internationally. Uh, we've got combines uh, for um, you know, kids out of high school that haven't gone to college, kids that are out of college, uh, semi-pros, arena league, Canadian league football, all of them are eligible to go to the combines. All it is is $50. You can come to the combines and take a look at your film. Uh, we're going to pick a, a team for next year, and we're going to be traveling around the country and be playing different teams. Uh, around the country in American football. So it's an international bowl series, and I am the recruiting combine coordinator for the state of Florida. Wow. Guys, tonight we had a scintillating interview. 
If you're a young player, life lessons and football sometimes intertwine. From the big contracts to the money that gets sent your way in the hands of a young player, with fans just knowing the outside aspects of football. But tonight we find out about not just the player, but the man inside the helmet, Leon Searcy. Thank you. Many thanks to you, brother, for coming on Still Nation Live tonight. You are a true man. You are you are a true giver. And like I said, one hand washes the other, brother. So anything you need here on Still Nation Live, I'd love to have you come back. You know, once you launch your book and and things get going, just to let us know how it's going, brother. Absolutely. Anytime you anytime you want me on, I'm glad to come on. I really appreciate it. All right, Leon. Thanks again for being on Still Nation Live. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.